comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe this is either Half hour wasted, 400 something. Legion of well, Dudes, 280 earlier, is it, something. Is it going to be like a just a generic? We will put it, it on be? all feeds. Yeah, we can do that. We control the horizontal and the vertical. <laughs> I think that was our opening. I don't know. We should probably just roll with it. This could be the extended edition, episode 80... Something. Yes. Speak of the devil. Going. Episode going. forty. Okay. Media media minute. <laughs> Number media six. Minute. <laughs> <laughs> did you only do five of those? <laughs> no, we did. I think no, I did. I think I did fifteen in like four days. <laughs> and then <laughs> number sixteen never saw the light. Wow. This is Man Without Fear episode. We tried a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm pr- I'm proud of the stuff that we tried. Yeah, it's all good. Special edition extra episode of Podcatraz. <laughs> Beautiful. So uh, this is John, and and Russ is here, and Brad is here, and it's been too long. It's been very long, much too long. And uh, we're having a hell of a time catching up on things. And I, I guess the last time the three of us sat together in, in interspace, it probably wasn't it's all connected, I would think. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah. And as we were talking about putting this together, I was thinking about the history, which is only boring to like 95% of the current audience. Um, but... Russ, the the Legion of Dudes side of things, is it 10 years this summer or 9? I think it's 9. Uh, I can tell, because I think it was 08. Yeah, I want to say it was 08 for some reason. But and that has to put the certain. HHW side over 10 years then. It's definitely over 10 years, because last time Frank and Bill and I recorded, which has been a few months now, uh, we had... Um, we had talked about how it had already been over 10 years. I used to know right off the top of my head what year it was. I remember it was March. I want to think, was it a 05 when we started recording? I think it was later than that. I think it was 06. It might have been 06. So it has been over 10 years since Half Hour Wasted started. To the day, it's been almost eight years and nine months since the first LOD episode. 
And and when you say that, do you mean the Watchmen stuff, or do you yep. mean the actual LOD one or whatever? No, the the, like stuff. yeah, the first, yeah, the first one. It's crazy. Half Hour Wasted presents the Legion of Dudes. Yeah. That's right. That's what that was. <laughs> that was. That was crazy. That whole, uh, you know, the CGS message boards and the and the whole thing. Like when you, Brad, when you and Frank started, like what, what exactly was it? for you guys like did you were you both cgs listeners or did you introduce cgs to frank like how did that you've probably if told the story serves, long ago yeah but it's fun to revisit so this is how it happened i won a one gig ipod shuffle off of the local radio station <laughs> <clears throat> okay one gig this is awesome already yeah <laughs> and so it fits I've, 20 songs yeah, I fired it up, and I started hearing about this thing called podcasting, and I was like, I wonder what that is. And so I looked on iTunes and saw, oh, it's kind of like radio shows, and I said, I wonder if there's anything about comic books. So I found Comic Geek Speak, and I listened to it for a while, and I introduced Frank to it, and he started listening to it, and then we both became fans, and we... uh had um, been talking one day about some comic book story. And before I knew it, we had talked for about 20 minutes on the phone. And I said, we should have recorded that. And Frank goes, well, maybe we should start doing that. So that's how Half Hour Wasted was born. And then, you know, we did it for a while. And then you guys started listening to us. You could, we At this point, we had all kind of been cgs listener not kind of we were all cgs listeners and then i don't know how i don't suppose it matters anymore but i don't know how you guys started listening to us but you did and then uh this whole idea of you guys getting together and doing the watchman episodes started and then from that eventually grew the network as it is today which has just gotten way out of hand or out of my hands. I mean, I it's just unbelievable to me what's what's been happening for over ten years. I um, I, I kind of have a a funny way into this. So I had changed jobs, and uh, I didn't change. I I changed uh, positions. So I was working with new people at my job, and one of them brings in a previews and now i hadn't read Ah. i hadn't read comics since the 80s probably early maybe early 90s and this is 2000 whatever seven six whatever and uh i'm flipping through the previews and you know it all looks really cool to me and much cooler than i remembered like you know the old 80s stuff looking or or whatever so long story short, I, I stopped buying a couple of comics. I remember like Green Lantern Rebirth was brand new and the Iron Man Extremist stuff was like just relaunching. I think the Brubaker Captain America was relaunching like all around the same New Avengers was a new thing. Um, so anyway, it got me like hook, line and sinker into it again. And uh, same thing, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about podcasts and I search comic stuff. And at the time, like CGS was the comic podcast i mean i don't know how many of the og ones were out before them but that's the one i found right away and maybe russ will remember this guy's name but i was listening to cgs 
and they had a guest on, and it was the guy who I think was going to write a King Kong Skull Island for a while, and he ran one of the small indie companies. Maybe it was Chuck something? Chuck, yeah, Chuck. Uh, and and didn't he get into, like, legal trouble after? He, and like he, Yeah, he, he was, did. Chuck, was it Satterley? Yes, yes, it Chuck could, Satterley. It, it, that could yep. be it. I'm not 100% sure. Tr- I believe you guys. That's who it was. If you're thinking of a guy who who had some legal troubles for whatever reason, that was Chuck Satterley. I always had a fond affection for Chuck Satterley because he seemed like a really cool guy. And he's... And I, I'm sorry. I don't remember anything about what happened with all his legal troubles, yeah. but I just remember feeling sorry for him. Yeah, and he must have known you guys because they said, you know, he's like, oh, I'm getting into this podcast thing, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, what are you listening to? And he goes, I really like what those half-hour wasted guys are doing. And I remember that. And that's how I found you guys. And I remember the first episode I listened to, you guys were reviewing one of the terrible Fantastic Four movies. I don't know if it was the second one or the first one. Um, yeah, I don't remember at that point. Yeah, and it was like your 13th episode or something. And then mm-hmm. shortly after, I was like calling in and leaving jackass messages on your voicemail. And like then we found each other on the boards and, you know. Then we fell in love and started dating. <laughs> no, I remember. And then I remember I just, this I, dude from Houston named Heroes Mask. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, this guy seems pretty cool. And then he listens to us. I don't know how the heck he found us. He's in Houston. And go ahead, Russ. No, I was actually, I wasn't even, in, I was from Houston, but I was living, this is when I was living in Luling. So I was out west then. Oh, okay. But, uh, it, it was just like a low, low, so I was listening to CGS and then following you guys on the boards and I saw your sh- your show because the way it would work is the old forum boards and then when people would make podcasts, they would get their own forum board. So right. I saw that kind of pop up and then saw like you in your signatures, you guys had an ad for your for, for your show. And right. so when I was looking at your posts and you guys would post and I said, like, oh, that. And then I saw you guys were from Texas and I was like, okay, so there's. These guys from Dallas that do this podcast, they're kind of local. I'm, I'd be curious to see, you know, to hear what people kind of near me, you know, have to, you know, have to say about comics and stuff. And so that's when I start. I started listening from episode one. Like I, I, I caught wow, you guys. I'm like, sorry right. about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then remember, uh, where was it? It was, um, was it Zeus Comics that did the free comic book day thing where they set up and had like a little con, uh, kind of out, out in the park. Yeah, yeah. And Robert Kirkman was there? Yeah, yeah. And I, I went up and introduced myself to you guys. That was the first time I met Pack you guys. Greg Pack was there. Yeah. I still have pictures of that and an autographed uh, Walking Dead hardcover that Robert Kirkman drew in. Yeah, I remember meeting you there. I sure yeah. do. I sat and talked to, at that at that thing, because this is before Kirkman really blew up, and I sat and yeah. talked to him, him and Val Staples, and I talked to those guys for probably about 45 minutes. Like, yeah. It was hilarious because there was nobody really at their table. People would kind of come and went. I had at the time I had my my volunteer fireman's shirt on, and uh, and it, it's hilarious because they he they were asking me more questions than I was asking them, which I thought yeah. was was really kind of hilarious. Mark um, Wade was there too. Yeah, Wade was there. Which yeah. he was a huge deal at the time. But it, those yeah. other guys, there are plenty of dudes that were there then that are huge now. Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of the way this when you think about the 10 year span, like when we, 
when we got in and and we weren't first we were early but obviously you know cgs had probably a hundred episodes almost in at this time or or whatever they were doing it was so small like that was what the cool thing was to me like you listened to it like it was radio but you called and you always got through you emailed and you always got answered you (laughs) you know you could jump on you could be like hey i know a lot about green lantern can i be on your show and like you'd get on the show like it was that small that that's what really grabbed me like you you know we can you can have something to say and really have people listen and uh and, you know, at the time, you know, we're emailing people that made comics saying, you know, you yep. want to come talk to us. And we got a lot of, you know, a lot of people that did. And that was uh, that was really cool. And now it's like everybody has a podcast and many professionals have podcasts and like you can't even, you know, it's totally saturated in terms of that stuff, you know. Yeah. But it, it was a fun time. I mean, I... <laughs> Sometimes when we reminisce, it's like we had Robert Kirkman, we had Michael Rooker and Norman Reedus, we spoke yep. to Jorge Garcia, we spoke to, you know, Irony Singleton. I still have that audio, John, of, of us jaw jacking with, with Jorge Garcia. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That I think was on, uh, uh, on um Half Our Wasted, uh we had the, the dude that sang the perfect strangers theme song. I mean, <laughs> yep. come on. Yep. It was awesome. Big time. <laughs> it really was. And remember that summer that, uh, like, re- I don't know, it was really early on, and, and we had done the network, you know, the quote network, and we started the website, and we were just, you know, I, I was being crazy and, like, writing comic book reviews. And remember we got on the cover of, like, that Top Cow book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was like... Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I, and it was it was funny because it was my review, but then on the cover it said half hour wasted. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. And like I, I didn't really that. care, but you guys laughed and laughed at me. <laughs> I remember that. I remember Freddie Williams the second put a half hour wasted um, logo inside one of his uh, Flash comics that he drew. That's right. That's right. And you guys yeah. spoke yeah. to Vance Skyver, I think, a couple of times, right? Yeah, I know he's had some some social media guffaws lately but he was always very kind and very nice to us and we actually met him in person a few times he was always a very sweet guy so but we've we've i think all of us have been pretty fortunate in i mean we're all friends because of podcasting which is for me the most important part and um you know we've we've gotten to uh have some really neat experiences talking to people and and, uh, you know, some famous, some that weren't and that now are. And just, I mean, but that, you know, that that's not even the most important part for me. Like I said, the most important part is being able to call you guys friends. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, you know, sure. it's, it's crazy that, uh, yeah, I've never been in the same room with Brad and I, I've been in the same room with Russ once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we've I've spent never, hours I've and never, hours. I've never hugged John. So... <laughs> It's, it'll have I need to get up to Dallas again. Speaking of, I mean, it's been too long since I've been, yeah, been up there. It's just been a lot of personal craziness going on, and you know, work stuff and whatnot, and moving and buying a house and all that kind of kind of stuff. It's just been it's just been crazy. Uh, but and, yeah, it it'd be good to 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 get back to one of the cons there. Or have you guys come down here? Uh, agreed. I'd like to good. see you. 
I'd like to see you. Well, we just wasted 15 minutes talking about history. Man, we got 15 minutes left. Quick, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk about uh, some current stuff. So we all saw Alien Covenant, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it three times. Dang. No, three? I, I didn't know you went for the third. That's pretty great. You're going to have to was, lead the that discussion. Was this, that was this morning. I... Um, are we just jumping into it, or are you kind of giving us a table of contents, Russ? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna not be myself tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just chill out and, and we'll just talk. I, I will say to start though that, uh, I really was very cold on this movie before going to see it. Like I was just like, I mean, I love Ridley Scott, so there's always this part of me that'll want to go to a theater and see a Ridley Scott movie because whether you enjoy the movie or not, Ridley Scott knows how to make a movie. Um, and I just was like, man, you know, Prometheus was, was okay. Like I, I didn't love it, but I certainly, is that the main reason you were cold on it is because your feelings of Prometheus? No, 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 no. I I think part of it, just seeing the trailers and stuff, I felt like this feels just kind of like more of the same. And are they really telling anything original? You know, I just, I didn't get that vibe from it. And then you saw it and said you loved it. And then John saw it and said he really loved it. And then I went and saw it and I was like, I guess maybe my expectations were very low, but I was I was extremely pleasantly surprised. I I was I was prepared to be a little down on it and the exact opposite happened. Okay, full disclosure for anybody listening. Um the Aliens movie franchise is my second favorite movie franchise of all time beside but behind Star Wars. Um I loved Prometheus. I understand why people didn't like it. But I loved it because of the fact that it was different. And this new movie, Covenant, for me, was the perfect mix of old school alien and new school Prometheus stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people were upset at this movie because it still had Prometheus type stuff in it. Well, you can't just ignore what happened in Prometheus, especially because there were so many unanswered questions. Um, so I think Ridley Scott did a good job in answering the, those important questions. Now, it's kind of like Lost. Remember TV show Lost? It didn't answer all of our questions, but in my opinion, it answered the ones that matter. So with Prometheus, there may be still some lingering questions, but for me... All the important ones were mattered. For instance, I'm thrilled that I know how the xenomorphs, the aliens that we know of from the original movies, how they came into being. I know a lot of people are upset about that. I get it. But I love it. It doesn't lessen any of the mystery for me at all because they're still terrifying. They're still the scariest thing I've ever seen. So... I loved it. I went back again this morning to see it. Um, I can say, in all honesty, that I haven't loved everything about the Aliens movie franchise, but I've probably enjoyed more than your normal moviegoer. And I don't know if it's fanboyism, but there's just something about these movies that strike a chord with me. They're just so dang cool. So, who's next? I I loved it. Um, I'm very high on Prometheus. 
Uh, I always was. I I saw it in 3D IMAX, and I just thought it was a great movie-going experience. You know, like Russ said, he just knows how to shoot a movie. Um, Prometheus felt like huge. It felt really big in scope. Um, and and I, I loved it. And the best part of Covenant is that it makes Prometheus even better. Agreed. Um, yeah, totally. And... You know, Brad, you just said he couldn't just drop all of those. He could have. They do it. In a lot of movie franchises do just forget what happened in the last movie. I mean, they're bad franchises. Like, uh, I think Underworld and, and, and Resident Evil probably reboot or ignore the most of any franchises. But uh, he could have. But he, you know, he. I, I look at it as him sticking to his guns, that he's making a trilogy and, and this is, you know, the middle piece and uh, I dug it. I, you know, there are some things that we'll talk about that I didn't love, but uh, you know, I thought it was great. And just to go back to Prometheus for a minute, like if the biggest complaint is that the people are stupid, you know, find me a horror movie where the people make all of the right decisions, and Thank I'll you. show you a <laughs> yes. really bad horror movie, Thank you. or a really short horror movie. <laughs> Or a really not scary horror movie. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so that's how I feel about that. And, like, I get it, yes. You know, for a biologist, you're being really willy-nilly with the alien creature. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I get all that. You know, for for experts, you get lost really easily. Like, I get all that. But that's the horror movie element to me. We've all done stupid things when we've been scared shitless, right? I mean, I'm not the only one, right? Uh, uh, no. no, you're not. No. That is probably the first time I've heard you curse on air, though. <laughs> I don't know. So I think well, you've I, grown. I think you've grown as a person. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> Sometimes you just, you just gotta, you just gotta let it go, man. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, um, you brought up something earlier, John, and I'll come around back to it again. But I want to hear if you're finished, John. I want to hear Russ's thoughts. Yes. I. Again, I think visually it was extremely impressive, and I think, kind of like I mentioned earlier, the one thing I think it really did, Ridley Scott and and the and the writers did on it was make it different enough where I didn't feel like it was the same movie over again. It wasn't, you know, I mean, yes, there are elements that it's it's almost like it has to be an alien movie, you know, crew on a ship, get diverted, land on a planet, you know, blah blah blah. But they didn't just do the typical. Even Prometheus did it to some degree, and this one didn't really do it, where crew brings back, you know, Alien onto ship and then spends the rest of the movie trying to outsmart it, outwit it, to fight it, whatever. I really like that the core, that was kind of like in the background. Like, this movie, to me, wasn't so much about that, about the creature and about the alien. To me, this was about um, about Walter and David and the play between those two characters um, especially David and kind of what he became and, and what became of Dr. Shaw and how they kind of wove that in. That's what really impressed me. I, I, I like it when sequels do more to try and make it different uh, than before. And, and I guess being that that was one of my biggest reservations was feeling like it would be more the same and for, for them to uh, go, go out of their way a lot more than I thought they would to make it different than than the other ones. I thought that's what that's what really impressed me the most. I mean, obviously, other than the way it was shot. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, it it did feel different enough. It, you have to feel it has to feel like an alien movie to to be considered. It's got the name Alien in the title, so you're gonna see some things that you've seen before. You're gonna feel some ex- and experience some things that you've felt and experienced before. And we get that with the alien, the xenomorph, hiding the adult xenomorph at the end, hiding in the ship and they're looking for it and then sneaking up on people coming out of the shadows. But we also got new stuff. I mean, the neomorph, this new alien, the first thing that we saw that was developed from the spores, you know, that was was new and different, much like... And Prometheus at the end, the deacon that that erupted from the uh, engineer, you know, that that might have been a little bit of fan service at the end of it. But I still appreciated it because it was kind of like a an appetizer of what's to come. But then so was the, the Neomorph. I mean, it was scary, too. It was almost to me almost a little more scarier than the, the alien because it looked a little more human than the xenomorph. You know, it, it kind of yeah. stood upright and it didn't the have spikes. all those. It had the spikes. It, it didn't have all the ridges and it almost had a, like a blank face to it. It didn't have the elongated, huge elongated skull. Like, I mean, it had a little bit, but not the big one that, that the xenomorph has. But the face mainly, it had that little mouth and it was scary. I mean, I went with a buddy who... I looked over at one point. And he had his eyes closed. He's like, "Brad, I'm gonna be terrified in this movie." I'm like, "You're a big boy. You can handle it." And I looked over at one point. And he was, he was hiding his face. You know. So, I think Ridley Scott did a really nice job. I understand the the disappointment that some people had. It felt more like the same. Oh, it still had all that exposition and nonsense about, you know, creation and all that. Well, like I said, you can't. I guess you, like you said, Russ, he could have ignored it and just given more, more of the same of what we saw in the first alien movie. But I think he hit, I've already said it. I think he hit a nice combination and you're right. It was, this is a movie about David. Really? It's the aliens yeah. were sec were second. They were, they were the set dressing. And I mean, admittedly, that's what I love about these movies are the aliens. Obviously, I love the strength of Ripley in the, in the first movies. I really liked Daniel's character. Uh, I think for some reason the female heroine in these movies really works uh, w- with the conflict of the alien creature. Somehow it just works great. You know, originally Ripley was Ripley's the first alien was not supposed to be a female hero. It was a male hero, and then. Somebody made the decision to make Ripley the hero, and it, it worked out, and the rest is history. But um, <clears throat> like John said, there, he had there was a couple of things. I'm not completely gaga. I mean, I loved it, but I'm not so blind that I don't have a couple of issues with this movie. Like any movie, you know, there's there's some issues with it. So I had I compiled a mental list of questions that I that still linger to me that, that still, you know, there were plenty of questions that were, that I had at the end of Prometheus and a lot of them got answered this time around. So I'm hoping that in the last, I hope it's the final 
a movie. I hope this it is in fact a trilogy, Russ, because at one point he said he had five or six ideas for movies, but then he's kind of come back and said maybe one more to finish it out and to back into Alien. Uh, hopefully, if he's smart, he can wrap it all up with one more movie and not not drag this out anymore. But yeah, I had some I had some questions after this movie was over. So. Uh, you guys ready? I'll give you some questions. Ready for questions. Uh, well, the first time we saw an alien born came out of Kane's chest in the first movie. And it looked like a little snake with a mouth, like a piranha mouth with teeth. And it had a couple of hind legs that it skittered away on. And it looked more like a snake with just a couple of little feet carrying it. But now, the very first actual xenomorph we see being born erupts as a little mini-me version of an adult xenomorph. Right? It, complete with... Yeah. It just looked like a, a, a one-eighth scale model yeah so it what's up, up with that it stood up and went for the high five right it went arms yeah. up in the air and, and yeah. <laughs> it was raising if, the roof if yes. you think about it though even the the face hugger right they were able to get the face hugger off of uh damien bashir at one point and that wasn't something that was able to be done in in the first you know in the first alien movie at all like it, is that the uh like the man with the russian accent yeah, uh, Spanish, yeah, but yeah. Was he Spanish? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Um, so I, I think, again, you know, the aliens take on the form of what they of what they infect, right? And so this was the first time he was able to successfully get that, you know, from the, from the seed and it to come out. Because that pod looked bigger too, right? Or is that just me? Did that pod look like the really egg? huge? Yeah, the egg. I think the egg, yeah, I think you're right. I think it looked a little bigger. And I realize this is several several years before Alien. But I just think it's strange that when the baby Xenomorph was born, it was already fully formed, just really small. So that kind of kind of threw me off. Yeah, but why does it, if it started that way, why didn't it just keep doing that? Why does it go through... Why did it seem to add an extra stage later on? I don't know. Uh, all I can say is that Ridley Scott answered enough questions in this movie that we had from the first one that I'm confident that he's not just pooping all over continuity and that there will be answers that we don't know yet. Agreed. And that that uh, lets me be able to sleep at night. Um, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but... I love this franchise, so I think about it all the time. Second question is along the same lines, and hopefully he'll be able to answer it. He has another... Which came first, Russ, the queen or the egg? Oh, yeah, there's no queen. There's no queen in this in this movie. So does he... And John, I know you... Was. I know you... Well, I know you and I have talked about it a couple days ago, as soon as John left the movie theater the first time, he called me because I said, you call me when you get out and we'll talk about it. And uh, was it you, John, that, that said 
or it might have been in a review I read where somebody had the same idea or same question about how where did the eggs come from if there was no queen in this movie. Um, it was either the review or John that said maybe the queen comes about later because David engineers it because he knows that he's not going to be able to make the eggs or forever and ever or it's time consuming and labor intensive so he needs to figure out a way for them to self-perpetuate. Yeah, I, I thought of something along those lines. I think he might have a, a version of the queen hidden in that cave laboratory thing. Maybe it was Dr. Shaw. Yeah, right. He also opened ah. up Dr. Shaw's midsection in his little experiment, the birthing canal, if you will. Hmm. Um now, Brad, I did mention the line that I didn't really catch, and now that you've seen it two more times, did you catch the chicken or the egg line that David gives Walter? No, three times. Did he use the word chicken? I'm pretty sure he used the word chicken. Something about how the chicken sees an egg. Like, the chicken sees the egg as his way to... It was like a, it was, it was about perspective. I think, okay. I think his point was perspective, but he... Definitely mentioned chicken and egg. You didn't pick up that by any chance, did you? Russ? No, I didn't. Even N- not that I recall. No. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna. See I it did again. hear. I did hear him say saying something along the line, but I don't. If he said the word chicken, it never, it never registered that he used the word chicken. Yeah, I thought it might have been a clue, but maybe you know, maybe not. It might have just been a throwaway line. But yeah, the, the queen is definitely the main. I cannot see the next movie not including the queen because that really Uh, closes the loop you know um i read a lot of the alien comics and novels that have been written over the years and there was i can't remember if it was a book or a comic but there was some talk about how sometimes an alien just kind of changed into a queen because it kind of knew it needed to to propagate the species you know, we've seen that in insects here on Earth, too. So maybe it's something like that. Then again, let's think about the end of this movie when he, when David barfs up the two alien facehugger embryos. They don't exactly look like they're inside of eggs. They kind of look the same, like they're in a little sack, kind of like the human embryos at the beginning of the movie. So maybe... They were created as those little embryos, and then, or they maybe grew the, they grew maybe, the egg around them, and maybe, or maybe that little embryo, as it grows, kind of changes into the egg. I right. don't know, but uh, I hope that, like you said, John, I hope that Ridley um, gives us the queen, especially if if he's smart. This is what I think: if he's smart, he'll do one more movie. Backing into the rear end of Alien, as he so fondly uh, verbalizes it, and give us the queen and let us know how the queen comes into being. Okay, so he has, David has left the planet, the engineer planet, because he's on the uh, the spaceship with Tennessee and Daniels, and all he has in his possession, as far as we know, are two alien embryos, Right? Right. So, 
He doesn't have a lot of DNA to work with. He doesn't have a lot of material to work with. So somehow, from those two embryos, a queen will have to magically appear, or he'll have to... Maybe he creates a bunch of aliens from the colonists and somehow in, in the mix he gets some DNA and creates a queen. I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll just have to wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to get something along those lines. And one thing I was thinking about when you were talking about the female uh, hero in these movies, I'm sure there's a really good thesis paper out there somewhere about the alien connection with like women and birth and life and you know it's just an ongoing theme in all the movies right the queen and we did the whole ripley being a hybrid and like having alien babies and the the neomorphs are definitely more birthed than like chest bursting um yeah in this movie and i just think that he'll He'll go along those lines like there'll be some kind of analogy or something that ties into the queen and, and how it's created. And, and maybe he did use Daniel's, you know, female DNA or the female hybrid with the alien. A queen can pop out. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's going in that direction. Well, and, and two, the other thing is the whole concept of the creator is destroyed by its creation. Right. Like. The engineers, uh, you know, created man, uh, you know, and and who which created David, which turn around and destroy or at least seemingly destroy all the engineers. Um, you know, the engineers then destroying, you know, Wayland in, in Prometheus. So, you know, maybe that's the whole point is David feels like he's come full circle if he can create a creature that in turn can you know, can take over for him and, and then create life itself. So, yeah. There were some very deliberate throwbacks to the first alien from 1979 in this movie. You guys catch them? So, I mean, mother is the obvious one, the computer. Yeah. Um, there was a shot near the end of the movie where the camera is trucking into the cockpit area, the bridge area. And on the flat table, for lack of a better word, the island where they have holographic projections of the planet. And they were looking at Tennessee's helmet on this flat surface. Anyways, there's one shot. You remember in Alien how that little that little glass bird thing would oh, yeah, like yeah, dip yeah. into the yeah. water? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That was on the table um, in this movie. And uh, there was at least one line of dialogue that was a direct lift from the first alien. It was at the end when Daniels is fighting the xenomorph and she goes, I got you, you son of a bitch. Ripley said that to the to the xenomorph in the first alien. And there may have been one more line. At least there was something that was very similar to something that Ripley said. Um, But anyways, I thought that was very cool how. And speaking to that, I think I think Ridley Scott is making alien tie-ins and he's leading up to alien. And I really think what a lot of people want is a new aliens. Yeah. 
And yeah. I think that's what we were going to get from Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. But unfortunately, that got put on probably forever hold now. But, um, you know, it's like we, it's like you said, Brad, like he's he's making an alien, a new alien trilogy. And it's that one monster on the ship that's hunting the crew and we accidentally bring it onto the ship. And that's alien. Right. The other right. is aliens, which I think three is more like aliens. And I'm not sure what resurrection is exactly. Ali- Alien 3, there's one alien. Oh, okay. All right. For some reason, it seems like... Well, more more action, though, I think. Like, more shooting in the ship. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, so I wonder if we'll ever get that, like, Aliens sequel or, or tie-in. But the Blomkamp stuff, I mean, he only had a few bits of concept art, but it looked pretty badass. Yeah. Well, Dollars to Donuts says that there will be future alien movies whether or not they're in this timeline or they, God forbid, reboot the franchise. I don't ever want to see a reboot of this franchise because I'm old school. It's going to be different, and I'm going to hate it. And this did pretty well, right, Russ? Like, It did okay. It did did okay. It's it's tracking behind Prometheus, that's for sure. And Prometheus also did of, the 3D, right? So you had 3D yeah, Promethe- IMAX yeah. ticket prices or whatever. Yeah, Prometheus had the uh, the the, high, the 3D. It also kind of had the hype of like this. Hey, is this really gonna tie into Alien? Because you know, remember for a long time with Prometheus, Prometheus, it was no, this isn't a tie into Alien. This isn't a tie into Alien. There's you know, it's it's its own thing. It's a separate thing. It's not really gonna tie in. And then as it got closer to release, it's like. Just kidding. It really is going to tie in. And so I think because it had been so long and Ridley Scott coming back to it, I think there was just a lot of hype for it. And I think be, because that movie, critically, it did it did okay. Like, it wasn't panned. I mean, it, 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 it was okay. But I think in general, people were under underwhelmed with it. And I think that's what kind of hurt this one is... Uh, is they just kind of felt, well, you know, the last one was supposed to, to kind of tie into things, and the way it left it was like, eh. And this one, you know, doesn't have Prometheus in the name, so is this, um, you know, is it, you know, how is this going to fit in? Is this just going to be more alien? So I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, Monday morning quarterback or, or quarterbacking around the naming and stuff, but it's sitting at like one 131 million worldwide. Uh, the budget was 97, which is really funny if you think about it, because like all these new superhero movies are 175, 200 million dollar blockbusters, and this movie couldn't have been real cheap to to make. I mean, for you know, a lot of action. Uh, I, I think they saved on. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I think they saved on star power, right? I mean, it's kind sure, of a, sure. Who made the most money in this movie? You know what I mean? Oh, well, like, that's why they. That's bender. why they had to. Yeah. They they had to kill Franco off within you know a few minutes because they <laughs> yeah, uh, they yeah. had to spend all their money on Fastbender. <laughs> yeah, who was phenomenal in this movie, by the way. Yeah, when no, he, he was he was exceptional uh, when he let's, acted let's, with let's himself. Talk, yeah. Come on, let's talk about somebody that kind of surprised me because I think the other thing is when people see Danny McBride's name attached to something, I think they think, oh man, it's going to be aliens with Kenny Powers. And uh, it, it really wasn't that 
that Danny McBride. I mean, it was a very like no, I, was, I thought he did a really a really good job. Uh, and he was a lot fantastic. Of it was, yeah, a lot of it was because it wasn't what people's preconceived notions about his acting uh, turned out to be. No, it's kind of like the same thing with when Will Smith started doing serious stuff. Like, oh, how can the Fresh Prince of Bel Air do a serious movie? It yeah. worked. And this Danny McBride. I mean, Kenny Powers is uh, a comedy, obviously. Um, I don't know if you guys ever saw Vice Principals. Yes. On HBO. Yeah. It's a comedy, but it's a dark. I mean, there's some serious stuff in it. Yes, but so, he's still Kenny Powers in that in that show. <laughs> well, I I might disagree a little bit. I mean, my, I think he's his character's a little more serious in. Vice Principles. It's still a funny show. But my point is, he can do uh, drama, apparently. And I thought he did really good. I was really surprised. Because the first time I saw Danny McBride's coming in, I'm like, oh, great. How's this going to work? You know, this is going to be a serious alien movie. There's no place for comedy in this. But he was he was fantastic. Did you ever see The Foot Fist Way? I did. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Russ, just for for you for you or anyone listening, that that's probably Danny McBride's first movie, and it's Kenny Powers basically teaching a kid's karate school. Nice, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. And I don't know if you were trying to deter me by saying Kenny Powers in an alien movie, but <laughs> but I would totally be there for that as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, truth be told, I would too, but. Only if it wasn't in this franchise. But I, I was pleasantly supply, su- surprised. He was funny. And he still he still did have a bit of comic relief. You know, he was the everyman in this. Yeah, yeah he, he had, was the everyman in this movie. You know? Yeah. I don't, he had I don't, enough to where it, it was it was nice to break the tension and it, and it made sense. But it wasn't like, again, it just wasn't a continuous goofball fest, which I think right. I think people would have gotten. I think that just would have. Been, well, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. Have yeah, the the rest of the crew had been like, ah, let the alien get this guy. He's not taking this serious. Yeah. Now, what, Brad, one of the was, things, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say, uh, one, you know, if one of the shortcomings in the movie, and and it was like right at two hours, a little over two hours. So I don't think it was because of length, and I don't know that it would have gained a whole lot by padding out the runtime for it. But uh, th- there was, you know, 15 main crew people. Uh, a lot of them get dispatched pretty early. I, I the, the one criticism I'll really have for for the movie, and I don't know that really how you'd fix it is. I never really kind of got too attached to some of the characters. I never really felt like I knew them. You know, they kind of came in and went. I mean, they fo- obviously they focused on a few of them, uh, but I just I just never felt like even like in the first Alien, and again, you know, maybe because it was a smaller crew or even Aliens where they you know kind of focused on four or five folks, but. I, I think if if there's any criticism I have is I just never felt like I really cared too much about the rest of the crew. Yeah, I had trouble I, remembering who was like married to who or who was dating. Yeah. Which like I got, I got my couples confused a few times. Is it me or did they really downplay? Like it seemed like they made a big deal of that in the trailer, but they didn't make a big deal of it in the movie. Well, a lot of that stuff from the trailer was that prologue that they showed online that they never, like, they didn't include in the movie. Right, right, you right. Because I expected to see James Franco alive 
for a little bit, and yet he, you know, the only time we ever saw him alive was when he was inside that stasis pod, and then he burns to death. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, so it seemed like there was a lot of things in the trailers and the TV spots that weren't in the actual the- theatrical release. Brad but I was... felt the same about uh, all the the characters, the crew of the Betty in Alien Resurrection. I didn't. Once I started dying, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really care because I, yeah. I didn't learn I... enough about these people. I cared less about them, I will grant you that, <laughs> than I did yeah. the Covenant characters. What were you going to ask me, John? Was one of your questions about the, let's call it a mural in Prometheus, in the egg room, in the can, they're not eggs, in the, uh, like the canister room where there's the big like carving on the wall, yes. and they look, like, they look like the xenomorphs that we know, so yeah. how, how would that have been there? Right, so if... If David had just created, oh, the other line, the exact line uh, was uh, when David says the perfect organism, uh, Ash in in uh, Alien, Ian Holmes character, Ash said the perfect organism. So that was the other one I was thinking of. But yes, right. um, if, if David creates the xenomorph in this movie, why was there a, what looked to me, and apparently John, a xenomorph on the wall in the, I think I've heard it described as the ampule room, whatever ampule means. But um, do you remember that scene, John or uh, Russ? When, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. Maybe that's when, what uh, gave him the idea. Maybe it was just, maybe he was trying to recreate and perfect something that maybe had already been attempted or didn't survive or was maybe thought of. Yeah, maybe there, so. There yeah, was that's what of, I like, was meaning, that he's trying he, to perfect it. Yeah, because he had those drawings, too, and everything, which obviously were like Giger, uh, you know, concept. It looked like sure. Giger concept art that he was flipping Sure through. did, yeah. Um, I, I just thought it was cool, you know, that we got to see all the attempts. What I, I really wasn't, I, I mean, again, I really wasn't expecting there to be this much tie to Prometheus. I really just thought it was going to be like a wink and a nod kind of thing and then move on, but it it really... It really did tie into to Prometheus and that whole scene where the ship comes home, everybody's like all the engineers are cheering and it docks. And then that scene of David releasing all those canisters and just kind of standing over that opening. That was I mean, that was a that was a pretty badass shot. Uh I, I yeah. just I I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the way they kind of wove it in too. Uh and then and then starting with uh, Guy Pierce, you know, playing Wayland again, and just that conversation he had with David, and again, just kind of reemphasizing this whole, you know, creators and their creations, and you know, and and how how all that works. I think he he did a perfect balance. I've said it of Prometheus and Alien. You know, it maybe it's because I loved Prometheus and yeah. was okay with it not being a quote unquote alien movie. But I think he did a, a the perfect job of mixing them in. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to finish with some explanation of how we're still using androids in the Alien movie after everything <laughs> that David pulls off in in uh, Prometheus and, and Covenant and whatever's next. Well, 
my gut tells me it'll it'll be because nobody ever finds out about David. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's the other lingering question I had after watching this movie. And you brought up David dropping the bombs on the engineer's planet. If he kills all the engineers, what who was piloting the engineer ship that we first encountered on LV-426 in 1979. I I just assume that there were there's still more out there, like that there's just a bunch of them that have been sent out into the universe to to do what it is they're doing, which is maybe why it was such a big deal when one of them came home and uh, you know they were kind of celebrating, almost kind of like you know astronauts coming back home from a journey. Maybe they weren't expecting them to come back at all. Uh, but you know yeah, what? I just, that that makes wonderful complete sense to me that there's a whole fleet of them like a star fleet out there doing their thing and like you said they were just celebrating the arrival of a ship coming back home i think that's wonderful yeah my 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 first explanation was they weren't all on the planet he didn't kill all of them there were there were some out there but i i question um so they're celebrating him come back now in the beginning of Prometheus well I guess that's not a space jockey but that's an engineer that sort of commits the suicide while spreading the virus if you will you know what I'm talking about like it starts off with him drinking the goo right and then he oh yeah yeah so yeah. Are, are like are they all on suicide missions but I guess he wasn't really like one of the pilots he was just like maybe an early engineer yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the big mysteries. Like, is that their is that their role in life? Are they like, is it like a religious thing, and they're just like zealots, and it's their mission to go throughout the universe and create new life, and uh, and you know maybe that's how maybe you know that's that's their goal is to you know to die in service of creating life. I don't know. I mean, I think again, I think that's one of the things that's kind of left out there to to either be answered or never be answered. I just thought of another question. When they, when the, the crew from the covenant first lands on this planet and they're walking around, they find the wheat. Yeah. And he goes, this is wheat. And she says, who planted it? Well, obviously it had to have been David and Shaw, but why would they have had wheat with them? Well, and remember, too, David was into genetic engineering. I mean, maybe not just humans, but plants as well. So maybe he was able to, you know, take some kind of indigenous plant sample and and do that. Or maybe the reason we have wheat on Earth is because the engineers and what they were doing, uh, you know, also created... Whoa! You just blew my mind, man. You know that 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 the the, the a, weed is an alien planet or is an alien plant. You know, an indigenous to their planet. Like maybe, That's what it's, it maybe is. it's not indigenous to, to Earth. It's exactly what it is. Now, when they when they rewrote the the DNA of Earth in in Prometheus, because my understanding was that the planet that that we saw the dude the suicide bomber drink the black goo. My understanding was that was supposed to be Earth. Sure, could have been. De- definitely could have been. Could yeah, have I wasn't been. clear yeah. on that. Yeah, and if it rewrote the the DNA, why wouldn't it have created wheat? Also, now, I like it. I have very little crop experience here on Long Island. 
Um, <laughs> was that wheat like giant monster wheat, or is that how wheat plants look? Because they looked really big to me, but I've only seen them on like the box of cereal. I've never know, actually held a wheat plant. It, I, well, neither have I, but I know you know you use big farming implements to suck it up. So uh, you know what I'm seemed, I'm googling it seemed wheat reasonable. right now. I've I'm only seen up. the frosted wheat. <laughs> I've never seen. Uh, you get the idea. I've only seen the mini. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm <laughs> I'm looking up I'm looking up wheat right now. I'm looking for uh, images and because at first I thought it was genetically engineered. You know, David you know Monster Wheat. It does compared to what I'm looking at now. It does look like they were looking at some monster wheat because they were very bulbous. Yeah, they were very bulbous and. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the creators of this film didn't look at Google Images enough. <laughs> if they wanted it's four feet tall. Okay, now I'm looking closer at some wheat. This this wheat I'm looking at here kind of looks like what I saw in the movie. So, regardless, I wish I had my Amazon Echo in my room where I record. I would say a word. How tall is a wheat plant? There you go. Some you, varieties you re- of wheat grow as tall you, as seven feet. You renamed your your echo a word i just don't want to say it man if somebody's listening and they got their thing in the room <laughs> i don't want to set it off <laughs> you guys see those hear about that commercial on tv where somebody on the tv says okay google and then everybody's google home robots in their living room started going nuts yeah that was funny i'm surprised my phone didn't wake up just then i may need to retrain my voice model we're that close to mother yeah yes mother so all in all, uh, I think it's success, and I hope I thought the movie was doing better than it is. So I hope we do get the final piece to the puzzle. Facebook yeah. was telling me uh, that it was the number one movie in America today. It was. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, though, does it? It won't be this weekend. I mean, it was last weekend. It barely, it barely edged out Guardians. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it just depends on, so alien covenant versus Prometheus, I guess this is six day total for, uh, for alien was 45 million and the six day total for Prometheus was 65 million. So, but the budget on Prometheus was larger. Hmm. Interesting. You know, the, but these, it, but it made 400 million worldwide. These companies, uh, they want their series. They want their franchise. Um, Yeah. So they may just... It, you know, it just depends. I, th- I think I don't know where it's opened up I- as far as the world market goes. Like, uh, like how and how much of the rest of the world um, opening percentage of total, eighty uh, percent. So. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see like how many territory. You know, does it have more legs? Like, has it opened in China? Is it going to open in China? Uh, you know, what? How? How is it done for the rest of of the world? Because if it could double what it has now, I mean, if it can do, so it's sitting at 130. If it could do like 250 on a 97 million dollar budget, 
Plus, then you you put in home video, video on demand, you know, cable, etc., etc., etc. I think it I think it makes enough to warrant doing another one. I'm sure some home video sales will. Yeah. Plus, it's really Scott. I mean, yeah, he's he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt more than not. Like, you know, if 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 it's something he really wants to do. Given his name and you know everything and his clout, I think, you know, who knows what kind of deal he can make with Fox? Like, yeah, you know, let me do this and I'll you know produce these other two flicks for you guys, or I'll you know sign on to you know do X, Y, or Z. So I I'd be surprised unless this thing really just peters out. That well, it's it already made money, right? Well, not really, because I mean, you figure the the marketing budget. So okay. a movie typically is going to be double its budget with marketing included. Um, a movie like this, maybe less so than even than you know big you know blockbuster superhero movie. I don't know, man. They've been marketing the crap out of this movie. Yeah, but but again, the budget is is a little leaner. So it, you know, I'd yeah. say probably all in all, probably two hundred million. You know, with marketing and and other costs and everything else. So. Like I said, I think if it does, if it does 250, 260 worldwide, uh, and then you throw in everything else, then I think I think it's probably safe that that we'll get another one. Oh, we'll get another one. If yeah, I have I, anything to, if I have anything to say about it, they'll listen to you, Brian. I didn't want to wrap this up without at least talking to Brad and Russ, of course, about the. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Yes, 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 of course. Spider-Man trailer. However, I'm sure in five minutes from now, I'll think of a hundred other things I want to say about Alien Covenant, but we'll leave that for when we're off the air. Uh, the Spider-Man trailer. I'm so excited for this movie. Dadgummit, Spider-Man has been my guy ever since I can remember. He's my absolute favorite superhero. I think as a child, I identified with Peter Parker. Uh, I'm so excited for this movie. I was thrilled to find out that he was going to be able to be a part of the MCU. And um, there are some things I've, you know, had to just accept with this new version of uh, Spider-Man, much like I've had to accept, uh, you know, new things with all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe heroes. But, um, you know, like Aunt May's not supposed to be hot. I'm just going to say that. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. I don't recall Spider-Man ever having a parachute in the comics, but I think that's a pretty genius idea, especially if Stark designed the suit. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> How do you feel, um, or did you feel, I should say, about, um, you know, I heard a lot of flack about how they're pushing Iron Man to the forefront of it. Like, do you think, I, I don't even, does Spider-Man need that help at this point? They'll let you know that, yeah, Iron Man's in this movie too? I, I think it does. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I think it'll be a nice connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I also think Tony Stark's going to be very important in helping this young boy uh, with delusions of grandeur to become a responsible hero. And sometimes you need somebody older and smarter than you to talk to you like you're a kid and to treat you like you're a kid before you can realize, hey, I'm just a kid. I need to step up my game and start thinking uh, 
my age instead of, you know, 10 years younger than what I really am or whatever. So I think, I think his development is important. I think Stark's going to be a, an important part of his development. Yes. I don't think he's going to be pushed to the forefront. This is a Spider-Man movie. It's not an Iron Man movie. I have a feeling he won't be in the movie as much as we're led to believe. That's what I've heard. I've heard that the, you know, if you, if you, if you're looking at percentage of time in the trailer corresponding to percentage of time in the movie, that that's not, that doesn't jive. Like, you know, he's not in half the movie or a third of the movie or even a fourth of the movie. Like he kind of, you know, he has his, his bit in a couple few spots and that's about it. But I just think after the multiple reboots, I think he's needed in a sense that they they need something to like give people a read. Like, why do we need to go see another Spider-Man movie? They're starting over again. And I think just, you know, at, at this point, Robert Downey Jr. is, you know, the man. You put him in your movie and it's it's you know, potentially going to make a billion dollars. So, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have said that any better. I mean, you know, if it's going to bring in the ladies for sure. I mean, I don't know if that's a sexist comment or not, but this kind of sounds stupid now that I said it out loud, but no, I mean, he's a draw. I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, if he wasn't a draw, they wouldn't, uh, I mean, Russ, would your wife go with you to see Spider-Man? Again, if Robert Downey Jr., if she knew that Robert Downey Jr. wasn't in it, or maybe I should say, is there a better chance she's going to go, yeah, I'll go see that Spider-Man movie with you, knowing that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in it? Yeah, absolutely. Because she likes the humor. She just likes what his character... Yeah, she'll she'll go see it if he's in it, for sure. I mean, um, I want to go see it more because Robert Downey Jr. is in it, because I love Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I love seeing all the the tech stuff. You know, his his costume really didn't have a lot of tech stuff in it. You know, he when he was first started out and for the first several years of him being a hero. And I'm talking comics now. But as he grew older and and he was always a genius, but you know, there'd been improvements to his costume that he would make and uh he would always pretty much have a basic costume but every once in a while there'd be something different with it and so i'm i'm not against the idea of his especially of his costume having abilities especially knowing that the iron man suit creator made this suit it just makes sense to me and it makes sense in 2017 that there'd be tech involved in it you know so yeah and i'm real excited to see michael keaton yeah me too i love michael keaton and I never saw Birdman, and I want to see it. I just haven't had the opportunity. Um, I'm wondering if maybe I should hold off on Birdman until I see Spider-Man. I don't know why I would think that, but a little voice in my head tells me I should. Yeah, Michael Keaton's good in Birdman. I don't know that it will correlate at all to what he's doing in Spider-Man, but uh, it's it like gets intense, and it's got hit crazy Michael Keaton, that you know those roles that he plays. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, I saw a comic book cover. Do you remember when they made the Spidey comic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, was that like all ages deal or is that what that was? Yeah. And I think it was kind of, it kind of promoted the fact that he was on the electric company at the time. 
Oh, okay. I'm thinking it was newer than that, but maybe the one I'm thinking of. Maybe they did Spidey again. Anyway, long story short, uh, one of the the poster that they have of like the vulture chasing Spider-Man in the air and like Iron Man kind of flying by to help. That's like right off the cover of one of the Spidey issues. Now that I think about it, there was a recent-ish series called Spidey, but yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. So that was cool. Like it made me th- it made me feel like oh, this is more like an all ages movie. Even you know, like it's tying in with that whole. And Tom Holland, like I know they've done Spider Man in high school before, but Tom Holland is easily like the youngest looking Spider Man. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I think what's his name was like 27 when they filmed it, right? Um, Garfield. Uh. Or twenty five or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. He yeah, he's a little older, yeah. Well, even what's his face was was still he looked too old. Yeah. Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, yeah. Spider Man was fifteen when he first got his powers, so I think, you know, Tom Holland looks perfect. I'm excited about it. I can't wait. The the, the friend is that sort of created for this movie, or does he I, have like a best buddy that knows I think it's supposed comics. to be Ned Leeds, right? I Which, think his name is Ned, but I think he's based... The look of him is based on somebody who's been in the comics recently. Yeah. And I don't know that person's name, but I could have sworn I heard somebody call this new guy Ned. Yeah, he he says... Yeah, he, he definitely calls him Ned, but I, I don't know why. I just thought it was Ned Leeds, but but yeah, well, I, think it's, I think it's maybe an amalgam. Like it, it's probably it's, an amalgam. Ned wasn't in Peter's high school, I don't think. No, no, because they yeah. So according to IMDb, it's Ned Leeds. That's the character. But yeah, he Ned worked at the paper, right? Like he was right, at the yeah. Bugle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think there. Yeah, and there is. I think that I think it's a character that exists in. And I, I may be mixing this up, but I think it exists in the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. That's actually friends with Miles Morales. Oh, okay. So I think that's the char- I think they're pulling that character and then just making him Ned Leeds and throwing him in this movie. But I so I didn't know mistaken. I didn't know Donald Glover was in this movie until the he latest is. trailer. Who does he play? Uh, that I think is kind of like one of those things like they haven't come out and really said yet. I wonder if he's supposed to be Miles. There's some speculation, but I don't I don't know. And I I think I saw somewhere where they revealed who it was, and I just kind of skipped past it because I just I didn't want to know. Well, I'm going to look up IMDb right now and see if it tells us. It doesn't. Oh, then I'll <laughs> close my browser. See, t- just going back, because I, I guess I had some technical glitches when you guys were, were talking about it. And you, and you guys could be right about rebooting Spider-Man and you need the star power of Iron Man to help that along or whatever. Like, to me, Spider-Man is, is the same as Batman for WB. Like, just name it Batman something, and it's going to make a ton of money and be a huge success. I think Spider-Man is at that sort of level. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, in general, yeah, I agree with you. But not that it bothers me that they threw a lot of Iron Man in on the posters and the trailer and stuff. I mean, it's cool just that it's, you know, it's all connected. Yeah. Heard that somewhere. Yes, yes. The Shocker's in this movie too, right? Yep. That's cool. Okay, so we're talking Spider-Man. What do you make of this recent news about Tom Hardy being cast as Bane in a Bane movie? 
Venom. Uh, not, Venom Bane, movie? not Bane. Venom. What do you think about this recent news about Tom Hardy being cast as Venom in a Spider-Man spinoff? I don't think it'll ever happen. I sure hope it doesn't, because that just seems silly. I think it could be cool if they do the, and I'm going to call it the new Venom, because I don't know what's going on in comics now, but if they do like the Commando Venom, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right, he, Flash he recently is, is back to Eddie Brock, but yeah. Really? Yeah, they, they I guess it Venom hit its 150th issue if you total up all the incarnations, and so for the 150th issue, they put Brock back in the suit. Mm. And how do you, uh, I spoke to Russ about this a little bit, Brad, and we're putting this on the It's All Connected feed anyway, so it fits perfectly. Um, we don't know what this is like, let's say it's going to happen, right? Let's just, because all these great movies happen now anyway. So let's just say it's going to happen. Is it a Sony movie? Is it an MCU movie? Is it a collaboration movie like Spider-Man? Did M- did the MCU get the rights when they made this deal to all Spider-Man related characters? And if not, how do you have a Venom movie without Spider-Man? Because isn't the whole look mirrored like isn't there some it you know it started on spider-man so that's venom, why it looks like spider-man venom came from spider-man's black costume. right well i'm saying you could you could change the origin but how could you make up for the fact that it looks just like spider-man in a black costume yeah i think to answer your first question is i'm pretty sure it's just a sony movie whether or not marvel would be involved what I assume I assume would be determined at a later date because when Sony first started talking about redoing Spider-Man that's how Marvel got involved and said hey let's let's put him in Civil War so I I would the only way it's going to get made let's okay let me rephrase it the only way it's going to be successful is if Marvel has its hands in it as well well, what if, and maybe Russ would know this, what if Sony still can do whatever they want with Spider-Man and they just lent him out for Civil War and Homecoming and maybe what's after Homecoming, but now they can throw his likeness in their Sony movie with Venom as well? Yeah, my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that there's no formal relationship between the well th- there is in a sense because there's there's collaboration for homecoming but the f- but the fact remains that Sony has the the motion picture rights to Spider-Man. So if they decide, you know what, making the Spider-Man Homecoming was really cool, but we're going to do our own thing from here on, I think what the only issue would be is Marvel Disney would say that's that's fine, but you're not using Iron Man. You're not making mention of anything MCU related if you're going to do your own thing without collaborating with us. So I think they could still do whatever it is they want. They just lose, you know, any of the elements in the cooperation. Like right now, I think it's more like a handshake deal, you know, where it's like, hey, Feige's going to produce this movie for you. He's going to basically do it on behalf of Sony. We're going to do all this together and it's all going to work. And oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to pull Spider-Man into Civil War and it's all going to it's all going to be good. 
but yeah, I think I think after this movie, Sony, like I said, they could just make Spider-Man two, and it it totally not connect at all to the MCU, and they could do whatever they want. And the same thing with Venom. Um, they, my understanding is they they both. I, I keep saying my understanding, um, but they both kind of have to agree on what they're going to share between the two. Like that one can't just pull in bits of the other blindly. Right. I think the only thing left on my superhero movie and TV bucket list is Fox just finally saying, we got to get in on this and send Wolverine to the Avengers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when you think about it, like, don't get me wrong, Logan was awesome. I can't wait for, like, the X-23 solo movie or franchise or whatever, but it's not going to bring in Wolverine X-Men money. No. No. So they're either rebooting Wolverine or they're sending Wolverine to Marvel for <laughs> for a team up with Spider Man. How awesome would that be, Brad? Marvel team up for a movie and it's Spider Man and Wolverine. Well, I would love that. Absolutely love it. I I'm having a hard time deciding who should play Wolverine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because I don't think Regardless of whether he would do it or not, I don't think it should be Hugh Jackman. Because Hugh Jackman's Wolverine was its own thing. This is a different Wolverine. Yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm in agreement. I mean I think if they could if they could do this in the next, you know, twelve months and and it would and it could be Hugh Jackman, I don't think they'd pass up on it to have Hugh Jackman show up in, you know, Infinity War two, which I know it isn't called that. But right. you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody right now. But uh, not Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> no. Just do it. <laughs> Very good. I've missed talking to you guys. Likewise. Yeah, definitely. This was fun. Hey, you know what? We should do a podcast <laughs> where we get to... Nah, it'll never work. Well, I have I was telling you guys earlier, I've been super busy with my job, which is good because I love my job, and it's been a while since I've been able to say that about a job. And uh, so I haven't had a lot of time to podcast. I haven't podcasted with Frank and Bill on Half Hour Wasted in quite a while. But I see that as an okay thing because that means I'm busy. I miss those guys, don't get me wrong. I want to continue that, but I've just been busy and working and happy working, and this is a good thing for Brad. Yeah, and I mean, one day we'll all be retired <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and we can podcast all we like. That'd be awesome. We can come up with some funny pun about being old for the name of it. And uh, we'll have to start uh, thinking about that. I'm sure you'll have an answer for that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I promise not to email you. Okay, good. I'll get an email. He's like, hey, what about this? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, this was... Uh, Great fun, and we should, if not regularly, we should make a point to, uh, you know, triannually or <laughs> bi-monthly or just get together and say hello. Agreed. 
Semi-decadally. <laughs> One of these days, John, when you least expect it, I'm going to show up and I'm going to give you a man hug and you'll be like, how in the world did you find me? That'd be awesome. Or I'll come to a Cowboy Raider game. Yeah, do it. Yeah, we might not leave friends, but (laughs) (laughs) once we're outside of Jerry's world, we're friends again. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Of course. And and Russ has no cares. The Cubs won the World Series, so whatever happens now is Life is complete, yeah, so (laughs) Russ can die now. I'm good for the next century, so (laughs) All all uh, all my wishes are used up. My office mate won't shut up about the Cubs winning. I'm like, dude, that was so last year. (laughs) Yeah. All right, dudes. Well, it has been fun. Yeah. Until next time. Yes, until next time.